morning and welcome to Football Bloody Hell. show tonight. We've got Mr. Paul Thorpe. Held a prize on the show. Not to mention Tommy White. And good old Rick Hyde's here as well. And I'm here as well. Let's get down to business. Who are we going to rip to pieces? Oh, and before I forget, for those of you that each week say, what the hell's the Magnificent Seven got to do with a football show? I'll just say this to you. Well, good evening and welcome to Football Bloody Hell. Let's just say hello to our guests tonight. Which include myself, Dave Pryor is here. Hello, Dave. Are Hello, we, mate. How are you? Are we a little chirpy? I'm certainly a lot chirpier than I was this time last week. Um, Rick Hyatt's here. Hi, Rick. Hello. And, of course, Paul Thorpe's here as well. And as Good usual... Evening, and it's nice to see you're looking back to your chirpy self. Well, I'm reasonable yeah. anyway. And uh, <laughs> Tom White is late again, but he, he promises to be faithful he'll be here in a minute, so we will wait and see. So, what are we going to start with then, boys? What do we reckon? I think, much as it hurts me to do this, I think we've got to start with the game on Sunday afternoon, which, from a purely United point of view, I was quite satisfied with the result. But, uh, um, Hilda, what did you make of it? It's your team, or one of them. Um, so... In the end, it turned out to be a really good game of football, didn't it? Um, the first sort of 40 minutes, um, I was thankless, thinking myself lucky that Manchester City didn't capitalise um, on the good play that they had and also that the referee um, has adjudged that uh, James Milner's trip on Foden was absolutely acceptable. 
Um, so I was grateful to him for that. We'll come on to the other bits in the second half. Rick, I'm looking at you. Um, but what I thought was refreshing as well is that Klopp acknowledged that uh, we were rubbish um, in the first half and we were much better in the second. Two lovely goals. Um, City probably on the whole did deserve to get something out of the game, if not win it. Um, but after the goals that we've scored and being 2-1 up um, with 10 go and when you look back at De Bruyne's goal and it you know, probably would have been saved and it hit Matip and went in, little bit of a unlucky from our point of view but having looked at the game as a whole probably not too bad a result I don't suppose taking a point would you agree Thorpe? Yeah 100% I thought um, first and foremost what a fantastic advert for a premiership um, I think a lot of the games have been fantastic but for this one particularly exciting it seemed like an FA Cup game even late on it was end to end but we were so lucky um to, to even go in nil-nil at half-time. I mean, I just thought that Man City absolutely dominated the first half and um, and right and rear fairly should have been going in maybe the game out of sight. But um, to get to get in front, I think was was you know was good. To get, I, I just thought it was a fantastic advert for for the Premiership and the global product. Really, I thought it was outstanding. But yeah, I got to say, I don't think that um, uh, I don't think we deserve to, to win. Uh, the game, uh, certainly from the first 45 minutes. And I thought that uh, second half, it sort of like they seemed like we changed the shirts a little bit. But um, then they came back strong with some world-class players that they've got. But um, yeah, awesome. I think the other thing it really highlighted for me looking through the actual games is how important, you know, the, the big money always goes on strikers or flamboyant midfielders. That It just goes to show how important defenders are and how worthy they are of um, possibly a higher price on than what they actually do and achieve Interesting, Rick what did you think? Mm. Sounds like I missed the half I would have enjoyed <laughs> no, it was Impressive wasn't it? You'd be a fool to say otherwise, two very impressive teams going at each other um could have done with uh, a few more suspensions maybe for later on in the season from it but like I say as United supporter then a one-all draw or a draw is possibly the best neither of them pull away uh, interesting substitution at half time bringing on Mr Tierney for the second half I don't know where he was in the first half but uh, very astute from the, uh, the medical expert that is Jurgen Klopp <laughs> Hey, I mean, you're allowed five subs now, aren't you? So you may as well make yeah. use of them, Rick. Absolutely. No, no, But the thing that get, gets me was that, um, you know, we, we'll talk about it now, but the the, the, uh, the foul, Mil Milner's foul was just, just unbelievably bad. But when you, it's not so much the fact that they, he missed it and he didn't give it, but it's the implications of that, you know, he he will he might well have well he would have got two, what two games suspension yeah it would have been uh, serious foul play wouldn't it so it'd have been three three match suspension for well, that it would have been no, second bookable one would have been the second yellow yeah. wouldn't it so well, one game. it would have been a one game all right well even one game that could in some way change the destination of the Premier League 
It could do. Adrian, based on that, have you ever seen James Milner play? Well, no. I think rather than suspend him, Liverpool should be forced to play him in the next five fixtures. (laughs) Yeah. That'd be a suitable punishment. I have to say, I'll, I'll, I'll raise my hand, so I'll drop it now. But it's, um, I have to say, that was one of the poorest performances from uh, Milner I think I've ever seen. Um, he's he's done for pace, Thorpey, wasn't he? He was, was pace. absolutely, um, well, he was absolutely torn to shreds in the first half, and I honestly thought he was going to be stubbed in the second half. You know, I really, really, really thought that he was, you know. They they played on him so well, and he was really um, the pace and, the, and all the free kicks that he gave away, and, and absolutely should have been one hundred percent sent off. I'm not going to deny that. It's one of the biggest blunders I think of a referee decision. It was a simple, very very simple decision, and um, if he can't make those decisions, then realistically he shouldn't be refereeing at that at that level. Thorpey, um, just uh, on that, was 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 Henderson the reason why he didn't get sent off? Because I must say, and I know I've got biased views that I didn't realise it was Milner who fouled him until I looked at the replay because I thought it was Henderson. I think the commentators even said it was Henderson yeah. until the replay. That's no, the only thing I, I can think of yeah. for why he unless wasn't unless the referees, Unless the referee's angle was absolutely dire, I don't see how he can't see that. that I mean, it was very clear. The leg was high. It was out. It was clearly going to trip him up. And I think he was probably, for the first time in his life, probably so knackered to chase him back that um, that he, he he probably wanted to get off the pitch to be honest with you because <laughs> he was getting absolutely um, I don't want to say the word right but you know I mean he was getting absolutely torn to shreds and um, I felt sorry for him I felt sorry for him because he's been an outstanding professional for Liverpool and or for other clubs throughout his career and that's the worst game I've ever seen him play and uh, you know I say we were very 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 lucky um, you know to go in nil nil. What a goal from Salah, though, eh? Yeah. Incredible. It's a good goal. Can't hold that. Good goal. Didn't you it, it, Rick? Not bad. It, not bad, Rick. It, not bad. Not bad. It was a fantastic, fantastic goal, but he's still not a midfielder. <laughs> I, I saw your, I saw your, I saw your comment on Twitter, and I uh, Twitter, and I gave it a like on behalf of Three I thought that was Rangers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's not. He's a forward. Tommy, we're talking about uh, Liverpool and Man City, as you probably gathered. What was your opinion of it? Did you see the game? I've seen uh, all the first half and parts of the second half, so I did miss some of it, I'm afraid. But, um, yeah, I've heard, I've heard people talking all day about it. Um, I did, just to pick up on what you were saying about, um, you know, it, it could change the, the path of where the Premier League goes there. And um, whilst you're, I'm not saying you're wrong, I suppose... You could say that about millions of things for a season, couldn't you? Do you know what I mean? And I fathom all that outcome in the end, you know, like drop points here or decisions there, even if it's at Watford away or Tottenham or wherever. I think, um, yeah, you just have to you just have to accept wrong decisions as part of the game, isn't it? Tom, Tom, that 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 decision changed the course of that game because oh, massively because yeah. they wouldn't have had all that excitement late on would never yeah. have happened if he had if he had sent because. Liverpool would have been down to 10 men. The whole yeah. team structure would have changed. The whole yeah. game would have changed at that point. So, Dorpy, you know, he's saying, saying that we played Chelsea with 45 minutes with 10 men and we were awful. <laughs> yeah. It, no, it, it just, it just change, it changes the whole course of the game. And, you know, and, it um, does. It does. Those but, decisions. But 
my only point was it does it does change the course of, of that game. Um, but it also, you know, like you said, it changes everything about the game because Liverpool might have made a sub. They might have brought someone on to go at right back, change yeah. their shape, yeah. been more defensive, yeah. and it, it might have it might have meant Man City would obviously get an advantage. So you'd like to think they probably would have gone to win it. But you know, goals and decisions can change games. But my only point was, I think sometimes if you start looking so far ahead, you know, I expect every team in the Premier League can look at at least four decisions for a season at least that could have gone their way that haven't. Um, yeah. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden you could be talking, you know, nine or eight points difference per team. So, um, well, yeah. for, a, for, for a good 15 minutes, Man City were not getting the rub of the green from the referee. <laughs> they were not getting the rub of green. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was good to, you know, in a way you could see, because we're Liverpool fans, we wanted, wanted to go our way, but it yeah. was almost embarrassing. Yeah. You know? but, but it was embarrassing at the, how bad Liverpool were in the first half. Yeah, it was. I mean, yeah, they were. it would have been quite quite sensible if they'd gone in 4-0 down. Well, yeah, the, very, got... the, very start, the very start of the game, they were doing all right, Liverpool. They, looked, they actually looked the better side for, oh, I know it was only probably about seven or six or seven minutes or eight minutes or something like that. But they, they started okay, but then Man City... But like we, I'm sure you've touched on this, but and I know it's obvious, without a striker, you just wonder, you know, you've got like De Bruyne, service man before, not, not making runs. Like Foden's looked up, he's played a ball and... De Bruyne hasn't made that run. I mean, you know, it sounds well. It, it doesn't sound stupid. It is stupid not to play with a striker. I mean, I know Pep's Pep, but I know you've got the extra man for you know small triangles and things like that. But for me, you, you've got to play with a striker, somebody who actually wants to get in beyond and who's going to make those runs into the box. You know, you've got players like Grealish and Foden getting so far advanced, but there's no one there for them. No one. Mm. And wasn't, wasn't he magnificent? Wasn't Foden amazing? I mean, I thought, well, oh, as, yeah. as, as much as, you know, my man at the back was poor, I think he was absolutely fantastic. I thought his energy, he hardly give the ball away. He put us under pressure. His finishing was clinical. Um, outstanding. Outstanding. <clears throat> but if Salah is supposedly so, if he's so good, um, which, he, you know, to be fair, he was pretty good on s- Sunday, why won't Liverpool give him a sensible contract? Why are they being so tightwad about it? Liverpool were saying it. Thorpe, Thorpe, I don't know if you've seen, but um, I was reading that um, Liverpool have, have had this certain structure in place, similar to Spurs, but not quite so low in terms of their wage structure and what they've done. And they have to basically put a special case forward in order to pay the money. But I think Salah's kind of hit that another level again where if he stays fit that you know it could be sort of the same levels he got in his first season which was just sort of astronomical really the fit the kind of numbers that no one was really expecting him to get um mm. but i guess mm. a lot of clubs at um the sort of the top end of the premier league now uh they that they're not so adverse to bringing in older players on a one or two year deal but Salah's getting to 30 and Salah will probably want a four or five year contract and he probably won't get it so it's trying to find that balance and you'll really get to know i guess whether he wants one more challenge somewhere or whether he's happy to stay at liverpool would you agree with that paul yeah 100% i mean like you know that, listen he's in the prime of his life he's playing amazing football he's physicality is amazing you know and he's going to of course he's going to want that big money you know that, that's what it's about it's about being the big big bucks and you know his goal scoring record is now 
second to none, really. I mean, sometimes like players, you say, oh, well, we suss them out after two, three years. You know, nobody can. He's so sharp and he's, you know, he's got, he's on his flight on his feet and he is electric when he changes pace. And again, he's clinical when he finishes, like, so both right foot and left foot. And, um, you know, every, I think he has every right to ask for that um, extra bit of bonus in his wage packet. And, um, you know, it'd be nice to see Liverpool step up to the plate and give him what he wants. I mean, he can easily go for another four years. So I don't understand what the problem is. Yeah, but who's who's available to pay that sort of money now? Because PSG are the obvious option, and they're stacked with world-class players now. Liverpool board may actually be playing quite a smart game in the sense that there's nobody out there that can give him the wages that perhaps he feels he deserves. So he may well stay where he is. Yeah, listen, who who know what 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 really happens behind the scenes? I, and I I don't know. I mean, it's all about negotiations. It starts probably a year you know it might already be going on we don't know do we so who knows what happens I mean Tom's been more adverse to like uh, you know agents and contracts and what, what I have I have to go in there and thrash out my corner on my own like and um, you know it's, it's not easy trying to, to, to settle down with it with a it would be a lot easier with an agent, I suspect, because they can do it all for you. But you two are ex-professionals. You've obviously been there. Tom, talk us through it. I mean, what happens exactly? Does the manager call you in? Does the chairman call you in? What? Well, t- to be fair, I mean, I-, I ended up doing most of mine because I actually, funny enough, without name drop, and I had um, the same... When I was 19, I had the same agent as Paul Gascoigne, Mel Steen, uh, watched me a few times, um, and he was he was my agent. Um, but I not long signed quite a longish term deal at the time, um, so he he didn't end up doing any work for me because I got injured and I was out for eight years and I'd done my own at Yeovil. But um, from what I gather from from a lot of the lads who have used them and things, um, I think footballers do need them because I've touched on this before on in, in our, some of our podcasts that footballers are are so naive and they don't have a clue, they don't know how to negotiate, they don't know how to back themselves, how to talk things through, how to go about that conversation with someone who's a, an out-and-out businessman, potentially, if it's not the manager and they're chatting to a chairman or a director of football or whatever. They, they don't. It's an unfair discussion. Um, so they do need an agent. Um, and obviously the agent's job generally is to, to know what their player's worth and whatever people at similar clubs may be on. Um, and then obviously to discuss it with the player and then come up with a figure that they want to try and push for. Um, and then I suppose you, you, it can go either way, you know, like any negotiation can. It, the club might offer something to start, um, you know, and again, a bit like any negotiation, you'd be mad to take the first offer. Um, and then I suppose it's a case of thrashing it out along the way, really. Um, and obviously the, the bigger profile the player the, the more parameters that are going to be involved in that negotiation. So such things as appearances, bonuses, things that you win, um, you know, those type of things are going to have a big bearing on it. Um, and then obviously nowadays you've got things like, you know, the, the shirt sponsors and the shirt manufacturers and what what, what can they bring to the table, you know? It's, you know, people like Nike and Adidas and Puma, they want these players wearing their kit because it helps sell it. Um, and then obviously it could depend on what split the club have got as to how far the, the manufacturers are prepared to go. So there are so many parameters involved in it that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to fathom. You know, at the end of the day, the player probably loves playing for Liverpool. He probably is settled. 
in the area and he'd probably end up settling and coming up with a deal because, you know, having been on decent money for the majority of his career, I'm sure he's not short of a bob or two. So there'll come a time where it's not about money, it's about just a fair deal. So who do you actually do it with, though, Tom? I mean, do you do it with the chairman or the manager? Mostly, mostly nowadays it would be a chairman or someone of that ilk. The manager will say, I want the player, and then the chairman would be the one who would sit down and talk about it. And obviously, you know, the chairman may have to go back to the manager and say, look, we're not getting anywhere, um, or we're miles apart or whatever. And then the manager might sort of, I'm not say lean some muscle, but he might have a conversation with the player to say, look, have a real big think, good think about things. And the, the player might, you know, be, be sort of swayed by the manager a bit that, you know, I do want to stay here and maybe I've been a bit greedy and a bit unrealistic. And, and then they'll have to, you know, come down a little bit and meet somewhere in between. But um, yeah, the manager would probably, like I said, just explain how much he wants the player to the chairman and the chairman would have to, you know, go and do the negotiation, really. Is there an element of fear cons- when you go to see the chairman rather than the manager? No. Uh, no, not not. I wouldn't necessarily said mm. fair, but like I said, it's the thing is, it's the, the chairman's obviously going to be an older man than the than the player is. Um, the player is in a position where you know he's, he's not in all, but he, he's, it's, it's all new to him generally. So that's that's why you have to have the agent, really, to be honest with you. So mm. it's unfair otherwise because the player, you know, he, I, for me, when I the last, when I went in in front of Ian Holloway uh, at the time at Rovers. And the chairman and the chairman was there at this time when I'd done it myself. You know, I'm not saying I got bullied into it, but I asked for a bit more. I stood up for myself a little bit, but I should have done stood up for myself a lot more than I did um, because you know you're young and naive and you do get railroaded. You know, they come up with some other pathetic little. Um, variants on the contract that, that they try and persuade to you is, is brilliant and, and it's not you know but at the time you're, you 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 also get to a stage where like, I just want to sign you know mm. I don't want these I don't want this to drag on for ages but you know again it's we're talking stupid money and stupid figures with these players so it's, it is a different story but that, oh, that's, a really, but, that's a really really important point though so I jump in then that's a really important point because you know, when you consider the amount they've got to, to think about, you know, they've got the, the contract, they've got how long the contract is, what money is going to be on, what money's going to go up in the second year, the third year, whether he wins, you know, his bonuses for the League Cup, the FA Cup, you know, the European Cup if they're in it, or Europa Cup. So realistically, what the agent does is just takes all that pressure, has a little meeting with him and says, right, we'll just have a little chat about things. It's a lot more relaxed and he can concentrate on his football. Yeah. And that's yeah. the most important third part is that you know, when you when you when you're going through these negotiations and said, Oh, this is really affecting the player, well the agent should be taking all that pressure off of him pressure so that he yeah. can just concentrate on his football. Don't worry about it, son, let me deal with it. We'll have a little yeah. meeting in a week's time and then we'll discuss it because we've got plenty of time. You just go out there and keep smashing the do- you know the ball in the back of the net or yeah. defending or putting crosses in and but making sure the, you play the, well. The silly the silly thing is as well is and I know this is Blatantly obvious, but it's it's almost like what you sign a five year deal, yet you start renegotiating with two years left to run on it. Things it's things like that that are you know it kind of just sign a five year deal. It's a five year deal. It should be a five year deal. But this is where you know managers. I've had it where managers said, "Well, sign this deal, and then if you're playing well, with a year to go, we'll come and offer you a new one." And you think, "Well, all right," but you're kind of like. 
they've got you signed, so you're kind of stuck there if you do want to go, but you're not on the money you want to be on, but they're promising you they'll give you a better deal with a year to go. So managers, chairman, certainly do that a hell of a lot. Is That's why you don't see contracts go to full term, is because chairmen often say, well, we'll come back to you if you're doing well in two years and we'll give you a new one anyway, because you ask for more money, they don't want to give you it, but if you're doing well, they will give you it. So that's why a lot of time you see players sign so what happens then if, if you're doing this negotiation and and you get to the point that they offer you something stupid and you think, no, I'm not having that. So you yeah. say, no, I'm not interested in that, sorry. What, what do you do, just get up and walk out? Or do, do, does it sort of, you know... Right. Does, you, you might, you again, it depends on how bad it offer is. You say, well, I'm, I'm not signing for that. I don't think that's fair. Um, you know, it feels like I'm worth a lot more or explain the situation. And then, yeah, say, well, you know, have a think about it, but I won't be signing that contract. And then, mm. okay. And then, obviously, they'll come back to you at some point. He'll go and chat to the manager and say, well, that didn't go too well, whatever the case would be. I mean, like I said, when I was at Yeovil, um, I was, I wanted to stay, but my daughter was ill at the time. So I was thinking about going to Stevenage, funny enough, who we ended up playing later that year in a cup final. But, um, and I, I tried, okay, this is an example, I tried to play hardball a little bit. So I'm 26, probably. Um, I knew Yeovil were training on a certain day. I didn't turn up for training. I made out that I thought it was started the next day. Steve Thompson rang me and he said, um, Tom, uh, you, you didn't turn up for training today. And I bluffed, like, oh, I thought it was tomorrow, Tom. <laughs> so anyway, I turned up the next day and Gary, I haven't, I haven't signed a contract yet. Gary Johnson had just taken over and my contract was up. And um, he basically... We started training one day, and after uh, the first session, Gary Johnson said, uh, Tom, you're signing a new contract today. I was like, well, hang on a minute. We haven't discussed money. We haven't, we haven't discussed anything yet. He said, um, I just wanted to see what your attitude was like in training. Um, now I've seen it. You'll be signing a contract today. And I went up to see John Fry, and I signed a contract probably within about 15, 20 minutes. So um, that's how quickly it was done. I was mm. I, I was offered something relative. To, I wasn't being greedy. It was something relatively close to what I was already on. Um, they gave me a couple of quid towards a vehicle um, and a two-year deal. And, and I signed it. it probably took, like I said, fifteen minutes to sort out. Um, so you know, it depends on the contract and how the parameters of the contract as to how long a discussion could take. I suppose, but. Um, um, and what else you've got? You said earlier, who, where else is he going to go, Salah? So, you know, what's his options? Mm. Well, let's let's talk about Manchester City a little bit. We've concentrated on Liverpool. Um, I, don't, I don't like praising Manchester City players because they're the them and <laughs> Liverpool. They're the enemy. But I've got to say, Foden looked a good player to me. Really did look a good player. And and the way that De Bruyne took the goal was was you know half tidy, wasn't it? Let's be fair. Yep. <laughs> yeah. What can you say? You, what you can you say? On that, you didn't well, enjoy that. We we've, we've talked about the, the you know like the Premiership, and I don't understand why they're not doing so well in Europe because the depth of squad that they've got, and I've said this plenty of times before, the depth of squad that Man City have got is absolutely phenomenal. You know, and they have got players in abundance with with ability. You know, and I I don't see many flaws, but. They still cannot produce it in Europe, and that, ultimately, that's what he wants to win. I think, or am I wrong? You know, no, I think, I think, I think you're right. 
But I think I think it's a bit odd. I, Tom and Thorpe, you'll be better to to answer this. But the the last three games they've played really well, but they haven't won. Now, oh. is that something you would be concerned with or not? Because you're playing well. But the more you play well, and the less results you get, surely that will then start to cause a bit of doubt. Um. I watched Man-, Man City against Paris Saint-Germain in the week. And Man- You've gone all quiet on us, Tom. Something's gone wrong with your phone. You've gone all quiet. Is it still there? Is that better? That's better. That's better. Yeah, sorry. I'm up on my finger underneath it. Um, I said I, I watched Man City v Paris Saint-Germain on, uh, in, during the week. And for me, City certainly... The- Go on. Sorry, City were good, weren't they? Yeah, City were by f- easily the better team, easily the better team. And if I, th- I think for me, like, to be fair, they started the season poorly last year. Um, but I think as long as you're playing well and you're creating chances, the law of average tells you, you know, things will start going your way or, you know, things the ball will start in the back of the net and things will, will pan out. But the thing is in Europe, you say you're one game away, aren't you, later on anyway, you're some majority of the time you're one game away one game away from being knocked out when it comes to the you know the two-legged knockouts you're always one game from being knocked out I suppose that's the problem whereas obviously in the league in the league uh, they can have a couple of mishaps and pick it up later on down the line um, but yeah I wouldn't I don't think they'll be too worried I do think they need a striker I'd, I'd just play Jesus out there if it was me all day long for now I just actually remembered my uh, my favourite bit about Liverpool Man City game and that was uh, Rodri, his clearance at the end. The block, yeah, oh. yeah that was some fantastic yeah. defender. I was interested, yeah. I was reading somebody's, somebody's put down there that um, had Van Dyke made that particular challenge, then Sky Sports would be sponsoring an extra bank holiday. You mean in the same way if Ronaldo had scored that goal that Salah scored, yeah? Is that what you mean? He used to do, he used to score those in his sleep. If he wants to. <laughs> Rick, Rick, in your illustrious career, I think you must have been a defender then if you're bringing that up because I appreciated that as well. Oh, yeah. left, anywhere down the left side, left back, left side midfield, left winger, anywhere there I do. But yeah, it was just a fantastic thing. And it's good that that happened because those sorts of aspects of the game sometimes get overlooked and... I mean, rightly so. There were some fantastic goals scored, but I think that was definitely worth the mention. Just it's the it's the other side of the game because Fabinho looked yeah odds on score. Well, it, yeah. well, it, 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 it got them a point, didn't it? It got them a point yeah. in the end. Absolutely, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. But it's it's, it's uh, as valuable as a goal, isn't it? Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah, it was that. absolutely it, like it scoring a goal. Yeah. And it's not like he had a bad touch. I mean, he had a really good touch, and he just but yeah. he made his, his sharpness. The way he got across was yeah. so fast. Defensive you know, awareness, and, um, yeah. He wasn't. He wasn't even in the picture, was he? And then he was. It was like, yeah. how how's that not gone in? I couldn't quite yeah. believe it at the time. And that yeah. and that <laughs> that is why, in any squad, five defenders will beat five attackers every single time, and that's why, because they defend. Attackers won't defend, so they'll let goals in, and the defenders will stop the attackers. You played if you had if you played Ronaldo, Messi, Neymar, Salah, and whoever else you want. Uh, 
Yeah, against Van Dyke, uh, Maguire, Varane, Shaw, Wamba, <laughs> uh, uh, five random defenders. Wow. Defenders, defenders was that, was that every Van time. Dyke and the Man United back four then? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I think just have to take a little bit. <laughs> no, but the point is, the, having that desire to defend is crucial. And that's if you've got that, then then you're you're, you're going to be all right. Alternatively, you could have Fred. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not quite right. the same. Not exactly the same thing. No. Let's, let's leave the Fred conversation, please. Yeah. So when you, when you we saw like before we actually started right at the start, we we talked about I talked about how um, valuable defenders can be and why they're not a bigger price tags. And there, I mean, when you look at the way Leeds United play. If you put a decent defence and a defending midfield player in their team, oh my God, what could happen? It could be incredible, right? You know, because they're, they're such an attacking team, which they're, they're actually defend for, you know by attacking. They, if they actually put a defence in there that could actually like keep clean sheets, so that imagine what confidence these guys could play with. You know what would happen if you did? If you put a defence there, they wouldn't get relegated this season. Oh, we don't want that. Don't what was it, good, Rick? It would be, what was it, Rick? It would be a good going forward. No, they Leeds probably Burnley wouldn't. And You're Norwich, right. Was it? Yeah. You heard it here. You heard it here. They're going down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shall we move on? Because we've given Liverpool yeah. a bit of a bang in now, haven't we? Really, nearly half the programme's gone. Um, so we're going to go on about Brentford. <laughs> Shut up. Um, first of all, I want to make a statement, your officer, um, and that statement is very much this, that I love Oli Gullis, so shot a bits, but I have to say, at the moment, I am beginning to wonder about some of his tactical nous because he's doing things that just... I just cannot get hey. my head around it. How's it Hang on a minute, I've got three people all speaking at the same time and I can't hear any of you. Put your hands up. You say that, but were you of the same opinion when United were 1-0 up and he brought Ronaldo and Sancho on on Saturday? Probably not. No, I wasn't. I, I I I was staggered that he didn't start. And I, yeah. I, st- I still, I, I was still, st- and, and then when he brought Martial on instead of him, <laughs> well, that was just about the last straw, as far as I was concerned. Yeah. But then what did, Mar- what did Martial do? Yeah, he scored a goal, great, but I mean, he didn't do much else, did he? But, but the thing was, um, this, this business, they made a big deal about um, Ronaldo going off at the end, muttering under his breath as he went straight down the tunnel and all the rest of it. And, and clearly you get the impression that there's, there's a bit of a power struggle going on there somewhere along the line. But if you think back to when Fergie was in charge, we had a similar situation then in, in that you had this sort of maverick there that was Eric Cantona. And, I mean, I know that I read in, you know, they were all told to wear suits and Eric would turn up wearing a casual jeans and all the rest of it, stuff like that. Fergie managed to get over that problem, but I just get the impression that Ollie's not getting over that problem to start with. And it's important that he does because he's going to make such a difference to the team if he's playing with his heart. But if he's not playing with his heart, what's going to happen? A lot of money going out the door for nothing. Yeah, but I'll ask a question. You know, this question was on Five Live today. And the question was, do you think that by signing... 
uh, Ronaldo that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer might have slit his own throat. You know, what do you think? Because do you think that, you know, that if he doesn't manage him properly, I mean, I, I don't understand. Like, it, the game, to me, the end product is the, huge, the big thing. The game is about winning three points. So you've got to, if he's your best player, even though he's 36, they say he's got a body like a 20, 24-year-old. So if he's got a body of a 24-year-old, why can't he play week in, week out? Rest him through the week if that's necessary. Yeah. But he's got to play those, those 90 minutes. And because his ego there. needs him to play, doesn't he? His ego needs it, apart from anything else. Absolutely. He, he is all, his theatre, you know, it's like a gladiator going into the Blooming Coliseum. His theatre is the game. I think, I think, um, I'll be honest with you, and this is, you know, going to sound a bit, I know Adrian's obviously a massive Ronaldo fan, and I don't get it wrong, I like Ronaldo and stuff, but when I was watching the Villarreal game during the week, I was thinking, Do you know what, Cavani's done more in most of the games he's played in than Ronaldo has. I know Ronaldo scored a, a few goals, and obviously I can't argue that, I'm not saying he shouldn't be playing, but I actually was watching him against Villarreal, and I was thinking... Do you know what? Work I think right. Ronaldo Cavani starts this weekend. And I think right. Solskjaer's gone. Do you know what? I think we were looking more threatening when we had Fernandez deep, Marshall out wide, and Cavani. And I think he's just gone, I'm going to try that this weekend because I think we looked more dangerous before, obviously, towards the end of last season when we had that up front. And I think that Ronaldo's done, honestly, absolutely nothing during a game apart from the goals. You yeah. take the goals it's, out of the games, he's done nothing. It, it's it, it, it 15-20 minutes in a game yeah, yeah his work rate is definitely lower yeah. but the problem is when he gets that opportunity he's in the back of the net <laughs> yeah yeah but I mean the yeah, thing yeah, is if, if I was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer I would be, be starting with both Cavani and Ronaldo and I'd try and build the team around those two because they're both incredibly talented players. All right, they're both getting on a little bit and you probably only get one season out of them together. But nonetheless, why is Cavani not playing? Don't understand it. Pogba on the bench as well? Yeah, well... This weekend? Pogba, you never quite know what you're going to get, but the other two are fairly consistent. Uh, no, to be, to be fair, he... He, he's you know he's producing good football. I mean, he's you know he's set up play in the way he, yeah, he plays Pong now. Starts all day long. He he pumps yeah, absolutely starts every yeah. game like for me. Yeah, you know, he's you know, and the, and the more he plays, the more money his hairdresser gets. So it's like you know, it's a double <laughs> double win for you, <laughs> like, right, mate. Like, like, so that's that is shocking. His barnet at the moment. He is pushing, <laughs> he is pushing Phil Foden for the millionaire, multi-millionaire with the shoddiest haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Good, uh, good point, Rick. Very good point. But, um, well, a football-related point, as per usual. Mm. But I mean, do we not think that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's tactics these days seem to be a little bit, you know, bizarre? I think. I think. Sorry, I just yeah. I think sometimes when you're watching the game, we are on top. For I know we look a bit liable when we sort of on the counter attack, but. We do have some pretty decent-ish possession in sort of the halfway inside their half. It's just converting that into good goal-scoring chances. Um, I think because we seem to be having a lot of possession, teams are quite backed up against us and are quite they, they make themselves solid across the back and it's not easy to open up. Um, but yeah, it's easy. Like Rick kind of said earlier, 
you say that after the game when we haven't was got a result, but at the same stage, we're two points off the top. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's tight. It's a tight league this year. There's, some of the lower teams have really stepped up um, and, you know, surprises are around the corner every weekend. And it's, you know, that's not her and horrendous start to the season, really. Well, as long as we get the, the I think it's important that we talk about Watford because, you know, it's... Uh, Topical. Quite topical, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, come back to win the league again. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let's talk about what for now then, um, Paul. He's gone. <laughs> He's gone again. He's got glitch. He just takes him well, out. What is in the point of asking to talk about something and then going? Keep it in. It's a metaphor for Watford sacking their manager. Paul's left. He's stopping his Well, what we, a- can, we can fill it in. What do, well, what do we it's think what about Watford sacking their manager then? It seems to work for them. I know it's um, not very ideal for you know for the manager situation, but Aid, you've talked on it before that it's difficult to have sympathy for these managers sometimes when you know that they're going to get a nice, comfortable payoff and they'll they'll be all right until the next job comes along. But for, for Watford, yeah, they they've gone back down into the Championship a couple of times, but. Sacking the manager seems to work for them, doesn't it? I think, was it um, the joke that was going around today that by um, something like by 2035 or something, one in three people in the world would have managed Watford? (laughs) 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 Wouldn't mind being the agent for some of those. Yeah. (laughs) But as Tom just touched on, um, it looks like that they're going to play safe uh, and keep it Italian and bring back Mr. Ranieri, the Tinker Man, Dilly Ding, Dilly Dong. But I mean, yeah. apart from being very successful at Leicester, as we all know, what else has he done? Got sacked at Fulham, didn't he? This yeah. reminds me of Monty Python. Apart from the roads, what have yeah, the Romans the done? Yeah. Apart from winning the I mean, most prestigious league in the world, what has he done? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a big one. Yeah. But. but do you think he can turn Watford around? I mean, I, I'm not sure. I suppose that I depends on how much money they give him. Well, it, that's that's the. He's only got one window, only to try and keep him up. It's not a lot. It I wouldn't was, surprise uh, me at all. Sorry, Rick. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me at all if Ranieri was up there amongst the next managers to be sacked, because Watford quite often sack a manager twice or three times over in one season. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. Well, there are only what is it, fifteen Watford managers till Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was talking to, talking to a friend of mine about it earlier, who is a Watford fan, and the, apparently the supporters. I don't, I've not watched that much of. Watford this season, but the supporters aren't exactly crying over it. The football no. hasn't been, hasn't been that great apparently. No, they reckon it's well done for the end of the season. What? <laughs> Give it to Elton John to the end of the season. <laughs> Give it Giggsy. <clears throat> Thorpey, will you stop having a hissy fit and go in and leaving the room, please? It's kicking me out all the time. Unfortunately, I do apologise. Make your mind up, Thorpey. Yeah, come on. Mm-hmm. What do you call yourself? So, anyway, going back to Brentford, which we were talking about, um, what a magnificent job this Thomas Frank's doing. Can't really knock the guy, can you? as well, by the way. Yeah, he took well as well, doesn't he? Mm. 
Yeah, Late winners be... again as well. Hands, gentlemen, hands. Yes, age. You keep saying that, but you you don't notice the hands, so I stopped bothering. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll start again then. <laughs> but it mucks it up, doesn't it? Anyway, um, yeah. What about Thomas Franklin, guys? Because I think he's pretty good. He talks a good game, doesn't he? But the whole setup for Brentford has been impressive for the last three four seasons really the whole money ball approach to it and uh, the way that they play their football is well well they are this season's leagues aren't they so two seasons time they'll be getting relegated but they they seem to have adopted this is, is it an american system or something that they have of of, of points scoring the players that they sign before they sign them I yeah, it's, all stats, it's all totally stats based it that's why it is on the money ball mm. system well, I mean, he certainly seems to be making that work, doesn't he, for a start? You know, I mean... Yeah. But it's, it is a case of second-season syndrome, though, isn't it? I mean, they'll probably finish... They've, they're higher than any, was it? No other first-time promoted club has been this high after this many games or whatever. And those that have been have not, haven't been relegated yet. So they look like they'll be in the Premier Division again next season. So it's, it's whether that can be an evolving thing and a pattern of play that can keep them in there and keep them competitive plus there's the fact that other other clubs will start sneaking around the players now they're in the shop window of the Premier League as well so how would they react mind you having said that you look at the players that have gone through there Ollie Watkins Ben Rama they've they've had some decent players in the past lost them and seem to have got over it so I don't know I, I, I think it's a different and it's a refreshing sort of approach to the Premier League rather than just getting dirty oil money in and spoiling it for everybody well, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, I think it's a good point, though. To be honest, um, he, he's done exceptionally well, and and he he comes over as being a nice guy. But of course, the question is, what happens if I don't know? What should we say? Arsenal decide to sack their manager in six weeks' time or something. Surely Thomas Frank's going to be in the firing line, isn't he? Aren't, aren't some of the Bigger clubs going to be looking at this guy and saying, "Well, he seems to have got a bit of a system going here. Maybe we'll go for him." Possibly, him or Graham Potter. Generally, yeah. two of the names that have been bandied about for most jobs now. But Frank excites me far more than Graham Potter does. Well, I think Graham is a style of football, isn't it? So hang on, but but Graham Potter does excite you. I didn't say that. <laughs> Frank excites him more. <laughs> Hang on a minute. This is, this, I don't like the way this conversation's going. Aidy <laughs> <laughs> hey, thought you were talking about Harry Potter. <laughs> Thorpe's gone again. So he was impressed. Oh, has gone again. He must have a very weak bladder. That's all I can think. He's gone again, hasn't he? Yeah. Starry, starry night. Um... Okay, what about the sack race? Who's going to get sacked first? Then I'll, I'll chuck in some names. Next, you mean? Yeah, we can tell you that the Watford manager. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got yeah. Steve, Steve Bruce, Steve Bruce, Nuno, what's his no. face? Despiritos. We always say Steve Bruce. Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Nuno, yeah, Nuno. Arteta. If the if. Daniel Levy had strength of his convictions, he'd admit that he'd made a mistake and Nuno would go. Because that's a mismatch. That's it's mm. quite painful watching Spurs. 
So I think, yeah, it'd be gone. And I don't think anyone would be that upset. They just scraped through yesterday, didn't they? I, yeah. I only caught the highlights, but it didn't look particularly um, uh, infused as a neutral watching it. And um, it still didn't look like that Harry Kane was particularly involved. I might be wrong because I only caught bits of it, but it didn't look like that he's sort of... Uh, kicked on from when we were talking last week about how he just seems to have stagnated a little bit since not getting his move. Yeah, yeah I, just, I don't see you know, achieving anything really at Spurs, to be honest with you. Mm. He looked poor. They, they looked, I thought they looked pretty poor. Yes, I did watch that game. I thought Tottenham looked pretty poor as a rule. Son was lively uh, for the majority of the game, in fairness to him. Um, it was a very poor game it was a midfield battle the whole game uh, my partner's a Villa fan she loves them so um, we watched all of that and yeah it, was a, it wasn't a good game at all so what was it like in your house last week then Tom yeah, after I mean, the United Villa game you know what the worst thing is I woke up in the morning and I just grabbed a t-shirt and it was like burgundy and I thought nah they don't care and I thought nah it's alright I'll still wear it and I wore it and yeah She's she has, she's not horrendous. She didn't give me too much stick, but yeah, she did have a quite a bit of gloating going on. To be fair, um, I couldn't really argue with her. Really, unfortunately, mm. you've not eaten since. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> me, me and food. I've definitely eaten. Nothing puts me off of food, <laughs> and I mean nothing. Say what you want while I'm eating. I don't care. I'm still eating. Uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, that's interesting to know. Um, yeah. Should we move on to Yeovil for a minute or two? Because uh, I don't know if some of you have heard, some of you haven't, that um, we've drawn Weymouth at home in the fourth qualifying round of the FA Cup, which is uh, wow. quite an interesting uh, fixture, isn't it? Thorpey, we've got... Thorpey, we're, we've got four in a row, so I hope that you're available, son, over the next two weeks, because we got four in a row, son. Oh, I'm at, uh, in Spain from next Wednesday till Sunday. But hopefully I'll be there for the Weymouth game, because that'll bring back some memories, won't it? Mm. When's the game? Uh, next Saturday. 16th. Mm. Not, 16th. Not, 16th? Yeah, not, not here. <laughs> That's typical, isn't it? 16th. Well, we're going to have to ring round oh, and rally the troops. You'll have to drag in Marathon <laughs> right. Man. Yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to do it from Spain, maybe. Yeah, life, life from. <laughs> but it's, it's a fantastic um, game, especially for the fans. And, you know, uh, going back to when we were the right underdogs to um, get absolutely smashed and we beat them 3-1 from goals from, um, is it John McGinley... I think Alan Pardew scored that day as well, possibly, and Jerry Pearson. You can tell me if I'm wrong. I think I, I might be one out there, but um, certainly to get that result on that day just was more like the catalyst of um, some good performances and uh, moving the forward, the, the club in a forward direction. Like so, um, the fans will remember that one, uh, you know, with open arms, really. So it's, uh, I expect it'll bring back a few memories and maybe, hopefully, a few pictures and videos if they, if they archives can find them in black and white <laughs> so do you think all police leave will be cancelled sorry say again I said do you think all police leave will be cancelled I certainly think there might be a few more there 
<laughs> and it might bring a few of the old, um, yeah, the fans that have been banned for a long time back out out the, the cobwebs. Certainly, it uh, will get everybody's uh, enthusiasm going. But it's a massive game, and it's certainly not on. Uh, an easy game. We've got a strikers, the strikers down there are very lively. You know, uh, we've had one of them, Ben at um, Ben uh, at uh, Froome. He's very lively. Got an amazing uh, left foot on him, and they're not to be underestimated by a long shot. And uh, you know, it's um, and the FA Cup can always bring up surprises. So let's. let's... Oh, he's gone again. Oh, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant point there. <laughs> But um, a just on what Thorpe was saying, the most important thing as well is that this will be the first one, obviously with fans since Weymouth have been mm. back in the league. Because obviously last season, due to COVID, mm. we were watching it all on the stream, weren't we? So yeah. it'll be really good um, see that with um, hopefully uh, get a few more people in both home and away because it's a local derby and might get a good yeah. good, good turnout. That one's, that one's likely to get picked up by uh, is it BT that are covering the qualifying rounds. The FA Cup, given the yeah, they might change the kickoff. Might be might be half twelve or something like that. They might bring yeah. four. Yeah, you'll probably you'll probably find they'll go for one of the Isthmian South Premier Division sides or something and try and get them some coverage. Possibly, I don't even know if that league exists, but you get the idea. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> give them some money. Don't really explain it. <laughs> <laughs> A very, a very poor team. <laughs> no, but it, I mean, it, an upset, a big upset, like an upset. It'll, it'll certainly perhaps liven things up at Yeovil a little bit because, I, I, you know, greatest respect to Darren Sarr. It must be very difficult to keep motivating your side, and then the game gets cancelled for whatever reason. I mean, it, it can't be easy. Surely yeah. players get all hyped up, ready for a game, and then, oh, it's off now. You know, can't be easy. It can't be. No, definitely not. I mean, you know, you, you, you do you do all your um, preparation for the game. You know, you build up. And there's footballers as well. You you know, your end product again, as we said before, is 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 the game, and um, that's the excitement, the excitement of playing in front of the fans, and uh, you know, and producing. So when, when it uh, doesn't happen, yeah, you are a little bit deflated, and you got to try and pick you up, you know, pick yourself up for the next one. But you know, men- mentality wise, you know, these are the type of things you have to deal with as a footballer, and um, you know, you go through lots of emotions and uh, you just have to deal with it and uh, and try and produce it on the day. You know, it's, a, it's, a lot of, it's, it's lots of things as well. It's about your diet, you know, it's about your, your your mental stimulation, where you're playing on that day and you build yourself up. And, you know, that's where the lows can come quite quite heavy afterwards. Like, and, um, what's you know, mental stimulation, please? Excuse me, what's no, mental no, stimulation? Getting, getting up for the game. Getting up for the game, being ready for it, you know, for those oi, 90 oi. minutes. <laughs> aye, aye. No, not, not your stimulation. so stimulated, lads. <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah, it's, it's well for me, it's, it's about your fitness as well, you know. I mean, it's hard to get your max fitness and your fitness levels right when you stop, yeah. start, stop, you know, really. I mean, back in the day, if, if they might they might have had a game between themselves or done something Saturday instead or whatever, you know what I mean? It's, it's about what you do, that's best for you. So, you know, you could run the asses off them, the pun, or the, the word in, but you could you could run them for fun on Friday. But you need fitness, do you know what I mean? And, and, and the game is, you know, the, the most amount of energy you'll use during the week normally. So if you're not getting those things in, you, you've got to be doing other stuff. And it's hard to, to, to get that right. Mm. 
well it's interesting but it's coming anyway that's for sure so uh you know we've got that to look forward to if nothing else really and plus a few home and games and an international break is on the horizon, ADs. So funny sure you should. Really it's is. funny you should mention that because I was just about to bring it up, all over the table. I mean, oh, I mean, we've only just had one for God's sake, and we're backing it again. What is wrong with them? There's another one before Christmas as well, apparently. Yeah, there's one in November. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Oh, it's just a joke, isn't it? It really is a joke. I don't oh, know. I feel like a kid on Christmas morning when I saw that England squad announcement. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tammy Abrahams, eh? Yeah, doing well. Mm. Doing well over there. Well, yeah, that's, that's, well, that's your Jose's influence, isn't it? But yeah. it still wouldn't surprise you if he's one of those players that does well for 18 months and then he gets a move to West Ham and then just sort of flat lines <laughs> I would I wouldn't be surprised if that happened at all it's a, it's a shame this isn't actually nobody not everybody can see the video of this because do you pull that face every time you say where's that yeah yeah, very much yeah. so. Uh, AD and I have got previous with West Ham. When, oh, uh, Don't drag when, me into uh, this. <laughs> we announced last season that uh, West Ham, and I quote, are absolutely trash. And since then, they uh, went on quite an upward trajectory under David Moyes and got into Europe. Yeah, they did, it's didn't they? It's that Hopper insight into the game. It's, yeah. it's unparalleled. Oh, yeah, it is. It is, mate. You know, just sometimes I just come up with it. Just It's just simple, you know. Sure, I'm sure David Moyes listens to Three Valleys Radio and uh, <laughs> Football Blood Bell, and that was the motivation to get into Europe. Yeah. I'm sure of it. Well, the checks if he knows in... what's good for him, he will. The check's <laughs> in the post, I'm told. So that, that's encouraging. Um, anyway, look, lads, we've, uh, we've run out of time, believe it or not. So uh, I would like to say thank you very much for joining us to everybody that's listening. Thank you, Dave, for joining us with your uh, expertise. Rick, thank you for your sarcasm. Thorpey, thank you for leaving the room so many times during the whole evening. No problems whatsoever. And Tom, you were late again, but we'll forgive you. Thank Thanks you very much for joining late. us. You're uh, welcome. Thank you very much. Did you get stuck in a petrol queue or something? No, no, just I had to divert on the way back from work somewhere, so yeah. Uh, well, there we go. Traffic. I hope you had general traffic. But don't forget, on Saturday, Three Valleys Radio will be covering Yeovil Town versus Notts County. So please join us at about 10 to 3 when Thorpey and Hilda will be there to uh, talk you through proceedings, which we hope will be three points for Yeovil. But in the meantime, all I can say is football, bloody hell. a blue shoots up through the stony ground there's no room no space you've been listening to I can't believe it football by the hell <laughs> <laughs>